They're living in the midst of a tremendously skeptical generation towards many institutions, whether that's the music industry, Congress, whether that's advertising, whether that's organized religion. Today's generation is growing up in a world that has a lot of skepticism towards Christianity and towards being evangelical. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. She is running a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. Hi, this is Bill Scott, along with Dr. Tim Clinton. Welcome to a very special Life, Love, and Family. You know, every billboard is screaming at us that we're losing our kids that they're walking away from the church, leaving the faith. So here's the question on today's program. Are they just lost or have we lost them? Bill, I can't think of a more sobering discussion in Christianity than this one. Is there anything more important for us to talk about than our kids and their faith? That's why I'm excited, Bill, to have our special guest, David Kinneman. He's been with Barna and he's helped design and analyze literally hundreds of market research projects over the years from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association to Care and Columbian House. And he's often quoted on CNN and Wall Street Journal. We just wanted to bring in the expert on how to reach our kids and keep them in the faith. David, thanks for stopping by Life, Love and Family. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I agree, this is a sobering and serious and important subject for us to be talking about. David, some people call them Generation Y, others 9-11, the 9-11 generation, Generation Next, Millennials, Mosaics. What are they? Well, there are kids, as you said. I mean, this is the thing that's so interesting. Today's Millennials, we call them Mosaics. You know, when you peer into their world for a moment, David, you just step back, you realize that they're getting pounded in a lot of different directions with a lot of innuendos and messages about life, about marriage, family, sexuality, faith-related themes, issues, and more. I think someone called them Generation C. They're connected, they're communicating, they're content-centric, they're computerized, they're community-oriented, and always clicking. And when you think about that for a moment, what we do as parents We struggle with getting into that world, that space, and the church certainly struggles getting into that space. I agree, and I think this is one of the things about this idea, you you introduced the show this way, that, you know, are we losing them, are they losing us? And it's this constant tension, even in the research that we do, to identify that there's, you know, obviously sin nature, and there's rebellion in every human heart, every generation, And so there's something very traditional, and there's nothing new with the story of a a young group of people struggling with faith. And yet there's something also, I think, really new about our cultural trappings and the context in which these faith journeys are playing themselves out. And the way I often describe this that I think is the most helpful way of looking at it, you know, you look at, at Daniel and Esther and Jeremiah, young exiles in Scripture, and of course even Peter says that we're exiles in a foreign land, and I think what's happening now for this generation is that they're increasingly like those young exiles. The world that they're growing up in is more complex. There's some more seas. Uh, it's more complicated. It's, it's a more cosmopolitan uh, generation. I mean, by that, I mean they're more ethnically diverse, more sexually diverse, more religiously diverse, and they're trying to make sense of that. It is a complex world, and we've often joked about, man, they have no idea because back in the day, if, but they're coming right back to us and saying, you have no idea, Dad. I think that's one of these interesting classic things of generational warfare that at the core of it, you know, younger people always think they know better than 
the previous generation, and the older generation always thinks that this next generation is nothing new and that you should have seen it when I was younger sort of thing. And I think at the core of that is really a sin issue, just like you'd have challenges between genders and between racial groups and between you know different classes of people. I think there's something in our sin nature that causes us to have these rifts between generations, between parents and children. There is something classic about people's faith journeys that every generation goes through, but every generation does do something different. And we see that in Scripture. We see this tension between, you know, things are changing and and nothing changes. Let's talk about your research, David. You have two works, really, that I think are very compelling. The first one was a a book published with Gabe Lyons called Unchristian, where I think you looked at people, let's call them outsiders. Yeah, people that were not Christians. And how they viewed Christianity. And then this work we want to talk about also today is You Lost Me, where you're really looking at insiders, right? Yeah, young Christians. And we saw these two books as sort of two sides of a coin, the perceptions of young non-Christians towards the church, and they view the church as unchristian. It's no longer like Jesus intended. And then young Christians view the church as you lost me. David, give us the flyover of unchristian just for a moment. Well, we didn't expect to write a book. I mean, I think it's important to start with how do we as an author even come to the place of writing? I mean, I didn't expect to write a book. I hadn't written a book before. And my friend Gabe Lyons, as you mentioned, asked to commission the study around the perceptions of Christianity among young non-Christians, and this was 16 to 29-year-olds. We're talking about today's teenagers and young adults. And we asked questions like, do you perceive Christianity to be you know, loving, different than other religions in, in a good way? Do you feel like it's anti-homosexual? Do you feel like it's hypocritical? And as you might expect, there were a lot of negative perceptions, but the level of hostility and the fact that, that so many young non-Christians were saying that the church is anti-homosexual Uh, really surprised us. And it's like Christians have been defined by all the things that they're against rather than the things that they're for. And so we were trying to help, you know, raise a conversation about how do Christians advance a a very biblical, historic view of these issues, but in a way that that isn't quite such a, a culture warrior mentality that we're trying to take over culture and be hated for all the things that we're against. And so what we're saying is our kids, let's just say our Christian kids for a moment, are growing up with a powerful message coming from those who are on the outside of castigating the church. And our kids are struggling with that identity. Yeah, that's right. And that's a huge part. The fact that so many Christians are saying, you know, you lost me in some way, that backdrop is so important to recognize that they're they're living in the midst of a tremendously skeptical generation uh, towards many institutions, whether that's the music industry, Congress, whether that's advertising, whether that's organized religion. Today's generation is growing up in a, in a world that has a lot of skepticism towards Christianity and towards being evangelical, being a Jesus follower. And, they, and, and the messaging that's coming toward them is just like a locomotive that constantly jumps in, speaks into their life every day with technology the way it is. Yeah, the typical teenager is using more than seven hours of media per day, and by some estimates, more than 10 hours per day. It's an information overload. It's a visual and auditory overload of images that they're exposed to. And if you were going to do a comparison for a moment, David, how much influence then does the church have compared to all that other voice coming into that kid's life? You know, we're spitting in the wind. Uh, We have just a few hours at best per week uh, when these young people come to, you know, organize services or youth groups or church services or whatever. And, and parents are fighting for that time, too. Exactly. Yeah, everything is becoming accelerated. You know, the person who named Generation X 
called it Tales from an Accelerated Culture. Uh, it was the name of the book, Generation X, Tales from an Accelerated Culture, uh, Douglas Copeland. And I think that perfectly describes it. It's, it's an accelerated life that these young people are living, this constant bombardment of messages and things to do and extracurricular activities and it's super concentrated with this next generation. And see, and that's what I think sets up where we can have a meaningful discussion on you lost me because if you can understand what we just said, it makes sense then that the kids are at war inside the church trying to figure out how to go forward. That's exactly right. Life, Love, and Family. Today we're talking about You Lost Me, the book from David here. And if you have a teenager, you know exactly of what we're talking about or a young adult daughter or perhaps son, and we're just trying to keep them in the faith in, in this battle that's going on and trying to draw basically a roadmap to do this. Yeah, so David, let's go then into You Lost Me and the research you found there because now you're talking about insiders, people inside the church. When we looked at this, we wanted to be able to study why is it that young Christians so often uh, feel lost, and three patterns emerged. First of all, they're not, they're not all losing their faith they're mostly losing their faith in, in the organized church. They're, they're much less likely to be church attenders, even though they still call themselves Jesus followers. And so those were young nomads. These are individuals who are still, they call themselves Christians, but they're not real active in church. And this is a very challenging thing for many parents because they see these young people, they say, yeah, mom and dad, I'm still Christian, it's still important to me, but they don't really seem to be living that out very much. So that's the story really of young nomads. Let me ask you about this. I know in the book you talk about the five myths of young adult church dropouts. And really you begin with they lose their faith when they leave high school. Is that really true? No. What we realized from the research is that they actually have become sort of mentally and emotionally checked out long before they leave high school. And so, you know, one of the things you so often hear within Christian circles is that, you know, young people are losing their faith because they went to a secular college. And what we really learned from the study is that, does college have a role in it? Sure, absolutely. But if young people aren't strong enough to to have a faith that lasts in college, they wouldn't have a, a faith that would last in many other settings either. We haven't done a good enough job of preparing them. And so this is part of the story, frankly, of this generation is because of their constant access to information they're able to come to some conclusions about faith and spirituality and the necessity of the church long before uh, they leave high school. And by the way, think about how interesting like social media has changed the experience of youth groups. So, you know, when I grew up 25 years ago, when I was in high, in high school, you went to high school youth group because it was a different experience, really like a third place between school and home. High school youth group was a great place to meet people and to hang out and to connect and to have conversations and to enjoy life. And when you think about it, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, other kinds of things, are providing a forum for young people now to connect without the youth group. So in some ways, it's replaced what the youth group typically provided in terms of of sort of relational connections outside of school. So some might say, well, you know, when I grew up, we've always had kids who kind of leave the church. Got to go sow their wild oats. Isn't this just maybe a write a passage type of thing or something? Yes and no. Again, as a researcher, I have to keep saying, of course, there is a classic age-old problem. You see, even in ancient literature uh, from, you know, the ancient Greeks where people are concerned about their youth and, you know, the morality of the young people. So, yeah, I mean, there's a certain sense in which 
I think God in his wisdom has created the human maturation process to where we want young teenagers and young adults to come to their own point of view about spirituality. You can't leech off the faith of your parents. So that's absolutely true. But what I find so often is the roadblock and the mental barrier for parents and a lot of pastors is that they simply say this is the same problem uh, that we've seen you know, in other generations, and so let's not worry about today's generation. It's just the, I've heard this phrase, it's a nasty case of the normals. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's just a real myth, because there are some reasons why this particular generation is different. Think about Daniel again. When he was a dropout in a certain way from you know, the Hebrew faith, he kept his faith in God, but there was a sense in which the, the whole backdrop of his faith maturation changed. And that's what I'm arguing for, is that over the last 50 years, things have changed so much that Christian families are now discipling in Babylon. And we have to have a stronger theology to meet the culture that we're in. So drop the bomb on us, David, real quick. What did you find? How serious is this issue with our mosaics? Well, we know that six out of every 10 young people, 59%, say they'll drop out at some point after high school. And we looked at, again, 18 to 29-year-olds, and these were people who grew up as Christians. And so it's a majority. Your chances are that one of the the kids in your home, uh, and maybe more, will drop out of church at some point. Again, we know that just one in nine young people will become prodigals. That's a second sort of faith journey that's distinct from that of the nomads. Uh, The nomads are the most common, but one out of nine people will become prodigals, and by that we mean they will lose their faith or they'll become an ex-Christian or they'll say, it used to make sense to me, but it doesn't anymore. I I don't want to be a part of the, the Christian faith any longer. That's the most heartbreaking faith trajectory, but I, I've also really learned through this study to, to respect the fact that each of these young prodigals and nomads and the third group we call exiles, I've come to really respect that this is part of their story. Uh, we may not agree with everything they've concluded about the church, but we've got to show them respect for their intelligence and the decisions that they've made, and as we try to work with them and woo them back We've got to say, listen, you're your own person. You're an intelligent, capable, smart person that God is trying to speak to as well. What are they saying to us? What are they saying to you, David? What are they looking for? What is it? What's driving this whole thing? Well, I think the best I could do is tell you a story. And, you know, we we were doing this interview for um, National Public Radio, and this young 20-something was an executive producer for a, a great NPR host. You know, she had read the book, and she was getting me ready for the, the interview on air, And she said, you know, it seems like I've read the book and it seems like what you're saying about us is that for us as young Christians, uh, we're living in a more complicated world, but Christianity doesn't offer deep, thoughtful, challenging responses to the lives that God is asking us to live. I remember just that phone conversation as we were getting prepped for the call, because it was a, a real profound moment for me when I felt like God really used, you know, the Holy Spirit really used our writing in her life and it, it actually, I think, clarified for me what I was trying to say. You know, like they want to follow Jesus, they want to live lives of meaning, they want to have a deep, rich, textured faith. You did find that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is not a shallow generation. There are things about their lives that we could say they're narcissists, and and there are aspects that are shallow. But I mean, who's raised those children? What kind of culture has contributed to that? It's not their fault that they're sexualized. That's the inheritance that you know, our culture and the media environment that we've allowed to happen has created. So now we've got to say, you know, how can we help them live lives of meaning and depth? And 
we're actually working on a new project trying to figure out how, how can families and churches and schools contribute to that kind of deep, rich faith because uh, that's another story that's really true of this generation is that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around this, but there are three stories that are happening with this generation. We talked about a non-Christian, that, that it's a more hostile generation than ever towards Christianity, and that's true of millions of young people. A second story is that we're losing millions of young people, and they're walking away, and some of them may come back, but millions of them won't, and, and that's an important you lost me story. And then this third story that we're beginning to uncover in the research is one a real hope and uh, rhythm and, I think, clarity, but it's a, it's a hard one, and, and it's faithfulness in Babylon, and it's how is it that this generation is actually pursuing lives of faith and depth, and, you know, we can see this through our research in that three in ten young people stay very committed to their faith through their 20-something years. There's some negative trends, but how do we hold all three of these sort of truths at once. It's a hostile generation, it's a generation of skepticism, and it's a generation that wants to live lives of meaning with faith as part of that. And we're struggling to have a voice, a presence, I guess, uh, in their everyday life. What's the antidote here? What's the play? There's so many different things. There's no simple solution to a complex problem. That's super important for us to mention. But to talk about a few things, I mean, one is relationships. We know that young people that have significant relationships first with their parents, and then secondarily with other Christians and not just the youth pastor is so important. There's a huge difference in the stickiness of faith when you talk about um, young people that have relationships outside of their immediate family within the Christian community with other adults. A second important thing is vocation and helping these young people understand God's calling in their life and how that works out in terms of who they're called to be. We know from the research that only 16% of young Christians are able to say that the Bible connects to their field or career of interest. And that's just, to me, a tragedy that so many of these young Christians don't understand how faith connects to their studies or their work. And then the third is to really talk about the authority of Scripture and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that God is a God of of revelation, that He is revealing Himself to us through Scripture and through the traditions of the Church and through the Holy Spirit. And I I find that so often what happens in our research is that we assume that young people are, they're not fast enough or smart enough to handle the really deep theological truths, And, and what we're seeing is that the churches and organizations and families that do the best is they actually treat their young people as really smart partners in this. And they try to, maybe the best way to say this is that young people want to be challenged. They want the church to cost them something. They want to be challenged sometimes more than we're willing to challenge them. And so I think that's a a third dimension of this, is being willing to help challenge them to a life of passionate pursuit of Christ and and of being on mission with Him. David, I'm hoping my local church fellowship is doing that, but I don't want to wait as a dad. Just as a parent, bring it home right there underneath my roof. What can I do just as a parent? Because it has to start in my home, right? And there's a verse that just popped in my mind. There's a verse out of John that says this, I have no greater joy than to know my children what? Walk in the truth. How do we get there? One thing that my family and I are doing is we're talking a lot about culture. We're reading scripture and watching movies at the same time. I mean, not literally at the same moment, but we, we talk about as we watch a film or as we watch a television show or watch, you know, Extreme Home Makeover, or we'll talk about American Idol, and I'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about a theology of fame. What happens when God makes you famous quickly, like Daniel or Esther? And so we talk about 
these themes from Scripture, and I think this idea of being in exile is such an important way of thinking about that. You're going to be faced with really significant challenges, and Daniel's story is one, even though he was willing to stand up for his faith from the beginning to the very end and the lion's den, all the things we know about him, I mean, he had to learn the language and science of Babylon. He had to do things in becoming a person of influence that would have been really challenging to the faith or the perspectives of his predecessors. We have to really work at preparing these young people for lives of faithfulness in a complex, challenging environment. And one of the tools that Barna Group is just releasing that could help you in this process, we just released a DVD on the six reasons that young people leave sexuality, science, a feeling that the church is overprotective, you know, how do we deal with doubts? And so we talk about six different subject areas, and it's the You Lost Me DVD, and there's a discussion guide. It's a super great tool for families to go through short eight, ten-minute videos on these subjects, interviewing young prodigals, nomads, and exiles, and then interviews with me about how we can make a difference. And so that kind of tool, we think there's too few um, resources available that allow for generations to talk about faith in a very real and meaningful way, and we're getting amazing feedback from churches and families who are going through that, really wrestling with some of these questions together, because ultimately, we have to do that. That's part of the solution, is actually wrestling, you know, for you as a parent to admit, I I never really know the answer to that question, but my faith is stronger for it, not diminished because I have doubts. And so when we can admit to our children, there are things that we know and we're confident of, and there are things that we're just not sure about, and to have some really transparent conversations about that through the light of Scripture, that's when I think real progress can begin to be made. You know, anytime you're talking again about your kids and faith and you hear that they're walking away, it gets your attention. David, I want to end on and up here, and you've got the final word. You're optimistic about the Mosaic generation. I love this generation. I mean, they're so energetic. They're so globally minded. I think God could use this next generation as a, a new renewal, really, of a global missions movement a digital missions movement. I mean, their world is so different than the ones that we've inhabited uh, with previous generations because of the power of technology primarily. I mean, in the world today, we know that within a decade, there'll be more mobile phones than there will be people. And there's an instant opportunity for us to be messengers of the gospel through these digital tools. Well, this is a generation that's ready for that. They understand the technology. They live with it. They love it. And if we could do nothing more than try to help prepare them for that kind of influence, what a great opportunity that we have. And I think we can do much more than that, that God, in fact, wants to do much more uh, with that. And, and the cool thing is, listen, God doesn't need a majority of millennials for him to do his work among millennials. He just needs those few that are committed to him, that want to serve his purposes. And I think for our families, and this is something my wife Jill and I pray about our own three children how is it that we could be a place that prepares our kids, Emily, Annika, and Zach, to live lives of meaning and purpose in today's culture, one that is like Babylon? That's a scary proposition in one way, but it is so amazing to imagine them living out that purpose and at the end of their lives to say, man, God has used them in a powerful way in a culture that we weren't ourselves called to. I mean, what an amazing opportunity we have as parents to prepare our children for that kind of future. David, thanks for stopping by and giving us hope, encouragement, and a big challenge. Hey, man, it is my pleasure, and uh, our prayers are with the, the listeners because this is such a huge opportunity and a huge challenge as we've been talking about today. I've been hearing voices telling me that I can never be what I want to be. 
program today that really hits the heart of any parent and I think Dr. Tim it's safe to say it begins in the home. Bill you're right I really believe that passing on our faith is all about us. Us as mom and or dad stepping up to the plate and living out that faith in front of our children in ways by the way that they don't just hear it they see it. Like you I have a son my son's about to turn 16 so I watch him I'm watching the spiritual climate in his life. I'm praying for him. And like that verse I had quoted earlier, which by the yeah. way is 3 John verse 4, which says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth, in the way. Nothing thrills our hearts more than to see them limp, if you will, in the Father, the Heavenly Father's arms. Well, at the end of the day, should my son stick with the faith, and I'm believing that he will, I can be successful in all my career endeavors, but I want my son to be that top goal. Not just showing up at church. No, no. I mean, really having that relationship. Having confidence in in who God is. Yeah. And having a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus. As a dad, that would just, I'm telling you, amazing. Well, here's what we want to do. We want to walk that journey with you and your family. Lifeloveandfamily.net. Plus, you can interact with us with Facebook and Twitter. You can leave a prayer request for your family. Perhaps your teenager or 20-something has gone astray. We'd love to be able to pray for you. And you can also sign up for Dr. Tim's weekly devotional, which is free of charge. You go to our website, lifeloveandfamily.net, or you can call toll-free right now. We have somebody standing by. Toll-free, 855-455-3864. Easy way to remember that is simply this, toll-free, 855-4-L-L-FAMILY. Life, Love, and Family. 
You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated and sometimes you get mad for no reason. And maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call one 771 5166 Or for help right now, visit aplaceofhope.com. Women in Depression. Get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women addicted to alcohol or drugs. Get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women with anxiety or eating disorders, trauma, and PTSD. Get confidential help. Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center. 1-877-257-9612 or timberlineknowles.com.